Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to episode seven of the Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, Southern California's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Southern California and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Yes, I am your co-host here, Anthony Cirelli, with Husky, my other co-host sitting across from me. How you doing? What's up, Anthony? Doing well. Thanks. Good to be back in Southern California. Absolutely. Long time no see. So we're going to get to the topics right away. We had uh, a long road trip to talk about between uh, the Ducks heading to Boston, finishing up their long road trip, and then coming back to play Buffalo and Carolina. So we're going to go over some some details from there. We're also going to preview some of the next games, and we're going to talk about some of our favorite NHL music, some traditions uh, that go along with different teams in the NHL that have to do with music. Kent's got a good story for you on that one. I've got some uh, some choice songs that I like from around the NHL as well, so we'll, we'll finish up with that. And as always, you can find our podcast on all the normal podcast directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. So, Kent, let's kick it off. You uh, you wanted to talk uh, a lot about the Buffalo game. That game struck you in particular. You uh, What specifically? Yeah, I think it was just kind of, uh, I mean, it was a great game. It just kind of had a little bit of everything. It was a bit of a three-ring circus at times, but uh, uh, definitely a high entertainment value there. I think it uh, it was uh, kind of a not so hot uh, first five minutes, but then um, just kind of the way the Sabers were were dominating and kind of putting on a show, and their skill was uh, was on display uh, in plain sight there, uh, kind of all over the ice. But once the Ducks kind of got their bearings, and uh, yeah, just love the resiliency this team's showing uh, to be able to kind of bury the first few minutes and just come up with a response like that on the score sheet as well as physically um i just thought it was a an awesome game the crowd was great it was uh yeah fun fun to watch for sure what what were your thoughts on the I, I agree. I like the way they bounced back after giving up that first goal to Eichel. Uh, just to start off, uh, unfortunately, one uh, one of the downsides, Manson, uh, after that, that play uh, against Crosby in Pittsburgh and then uh, that goal by Eichel, I think um, Manson struggled a little bit, Josh Manson, to start off the season. Uh, and Lindholm as well in, in, in Boston had a giveaway. So that, that pairing, I think, can improve, but I was encouraged by the rest of the play, uh, specifically the power play goal. I like the I like the change they made. It feels like they they made a change from getting shots. They focused a lot on getting shots from the point uh, and and traffic in front earlier, and that wasn't working. And it felt like on that goal they were really trying to get Olmark to move side to side 
put him out of position. Uh, it was kind of a strange, I thought it was kind of a, uh, on top of having it just being a nice passing play there, I thought it definitely was a, a breakdown by the Sabres. I mean, you can't allow two cross-eyes passes through the middle of your uh, kind of box like that. that. I mean, that's how I felt, too. Basically, cross-eyes passes that just made Olmark go side to side twice uh, and then they buried the they buried that goal there so uh, I think that was a good adjustment on the power play I, have you seen anything on their on their power play that they've changed uh, or made a, a concerted effort to change in the last few games or so yeah I mean I know they haven't uh, obviously been laying the scoreboard on fire on the power play but I think the execution's been there. I think their entries have looked good. I mean, their organization has looked good. Execution, everything is good. They've just been having, uh, been able to put the puck in the net a lot. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see them uh, finally get one, get rewarded for all the work. Um, you know, those guys put in a lot, of, a lot of time, a lot of practice hours, a lot of video goes into the power play. So to see, thing, uh, see them finally get a... A nice play workout, and uh, yeah, the back-to-back seam passes. That was that was nice. That was good. I see good good first uh, seam pass by Getzi over to uh, Sam Steele. That always kind of uh, will throw the PK off. It just I don't know for whatever reason it just kind of uh, just is it's just unsettling and and kind of gets everyone in a scramble. And then to have. Uh, Sam Seal, I think everyone thought he was going to shot, and that would probably be the last thing you're expecting as a penalty killer, that he's going to go right back through your seam, uh, right back to the guy who just did it. Um, so that was the thing. It was a great play by him and a good finish by, by Getzloff there. Um, yeah, I got a lot of notes um, from Buffalo. That was definitely uh, front and center was the, the power play first coming through. Um let me see. Yeah, there were there was some some penalty issues, possibly some could say some some discipline issues. I'm sure the coaching staff uh, were kind of settling the guys down. It's going to happen in an emotional game like that. There was a, a lot of chippiness, a lot of after the whistle stuff. Um, I thought the one play that was kind of uh, out of all the the physicality and and scrums and everything, the one play that. Um, could have done some damage through no fault of really anyone was, um, I think with Derek Grant, who uh, incidentally has been playing some amazing hockey uh, this, this to start the season. Love, love seeing, uh, seeing that from a guy that's kind of um, traveled around through a few teams, but I remember his first stint with Anaheim, he, he did some, did some great things to see him back and playing this well has been great, but uh, his takedown of, uh, of Victor Olofsson uh, was kind of, uh, you know, Olofsson is kind of sticking his nose in the scrum, and, and when you do that, it's kind of a, a third man in. You're kind of asking for it, and I, I think Grant kind of just came in to grab him and pull him out of the, the scrum, but just the, the difference in, in size and the way he kind of body slammed I think everyone was just kind of taken aback including Grant it was just kind of like oh whoa uh, sorry man <laughs> yeah <laughs> all of a sudden was just kind of sitting there and and the way he went down was a little awkward just because of the the impact of the force but yeah I mean he looked okay after but that was kind of scary for a split second there I think everyone was uh you know that that could have been 
Could have been bad, but just a, a fluky play and things happen like that in scrums. Just ragdolled them. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know everyone on the even the refs and even Olofsson was just kind of kneeling there after, like, "Geez, man!" Like, and, uh, on the Richie thing, I don't. He wasn't suspended, was he? He was just fined. I think he was fined a little over four grand. Um, I'm looking now. Yeah, just I think he was just. I think he was, or did, did he get suspended later? I don't know. Uh, yeah. We gotta check our facts. Yeah, we'll check our facts. I'll cut that out. <laughs> That's the beauty of a podcast. Um, but yeah, the, the Richie. I think he was just fine. But that 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 was interesting. You could tell the wires crossed. I think Savadka might have said something. Uh, I mean, probably did say something. When you played with him, was he that type of player who could get trash talker, a good needler? Oh yeah, yeah. He, he's good at getting under other guys' skin. But he's just he plays hard. He's a hard no. Hard-nosed, gritty guy. Um, yeah, loves getting the scrums and mixing it up and chirping and giving a little shot here and there. And they they kind of had exchanged um, words and shots a couple times through the game. So, yeah, you, you just in instances like that, you, you kind of wonder what was said. And uh, I think it would be be funny to, to get the tr- the transcripts from that uh, from those exchanges, but probably called him out for diving. <laughs> that's that's what would have, like we've discussed yeah, before. Yeah. That's what would have gotten me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I think the other thing that struck me particularly about uh, well, I guess we, if we we can go back to Buffalo, but also the Carolina game, uh, the passes, the long stretch passes, uh, those. I saw, I think, two, three, at least three of the goals were scored on long passes from the Ducks' defensive zone into the neutral zone. And then the Ducks, on one occasion, I think it was uh, just made a cross-ice pass. I think it was Silverberg, who had a lot of speed coming through the coming through the zone when he scored his goal. Just a lot of those stretch passes seemed to give them the ability to maintain speed through the neutral zone and then, and then generate rushes. And I think almost every goal was scored kind of in that fashion last night against Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. That was... Uh front and center in my notes as well I think um, you can give a lot of credit to um, just solid uh, game planning I'm sure a lot a lot of video and and um, yeah with just a great scheme and, and game plan orchestrated by the coach and executed by the players you could see that that was um, something that they wanted to do uh, to alleviate obviously Carolina um, was a pressure team, likes to stand up at the blue line, likes to kind of um, try and isolate guys on the side and, and a great response and way to to work through that is to spread the ice and to do that you saw that like you mentioned, you had it. Uh, basically every single goal last night was uh, a result of spreading the ice, going side to side um, and I mean that's, that's on the passer and that's on the receiver as well and that's just a great organization and, and execution there, I think. Um, yeah, if you go through the goals, um, first off, I want to remind me, I want to go back to uh, Manson and Lindholm and talk about them. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I didn't got, mean to kind of crap on them and then move on like without. <laughs> uh, and I think Manson also does deserve does deserve some credit, especially for how he played last night. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I want to revisit those two guys because I think they're a huge key uh, for this team this year. Um, but yeah, going through the goals uh, from last night, the first goal, I had all five guys touch the puck. I mean, that's a complete team effort. Raquel basically started it with great composure at the blue line, not just chipping the puck out, holding on to it for an extra second. Um, always great for teams when you see guys doing that. Um, just kind of adds to an atmosphere of kind of composure and just... Um, 
how you're basically controlling the the flow of the game and the and the puck uh, possession that kind of thing always great when you see that so great play by him to kind of shield it at the blue line move it back to the defenseman keep possession as opposed to just chipping it out uh, and then he just uh, got his legs moving you saw the ducks the first period legs were churning across the board even with the puck away from the puck everyone was skating so then you saw a nice d to d up this up the wall quick t- chip to the center back to raquel who feet moving all the way through the neutral zone and then uh, again that guy um who was it henrique Great positioning, executing the game plan, stayed wide away from pressure. So it was just a quick touch pass to the middle to Raquel. Held on to it for a millisecond before newer Henrique was distributed to the far side. Um, and then just a great a great snapshot on the low blocker coming in uh, on the wing there. So, yeah, just moving the puck wide. Um, great outlet passes all night last night. I could go through... Uh, each goal, but uh, that might, I think we're supposed to be somewhere around a half hour show. (laughs) You could just, yeah, you'd elaborate on those all night long. Uh, I also a positive sign, Troy Terry gets his first goal of the season. Uh, It was a nice kind of, it looked like a tip in kind of in front. uh, One of the few goals that wasn't directly the result of a uh, of a of a off the rush, but it kind of he posted himself in front for a little bit there and uh, and potted his first one. And I, I think that's uh, I've been talking about the young players all season. I think uh, maybe we've been pumping them up a little too much in terms of expectations. But uh, we've talked a little bit in the past. They've been doing a lot of small things right. Four check, uh, especially in the offensive zone. Uh, Eakins is not afraid to put them on the power play, put them in important and sp- important spots and play them with uh, uh, top-line minutes. So uh, I think it's a matter of time. And in the last two games, you've seen Steele, Comtois get assists, Terry get a goal. I think uh, one of them, maybe Steele got another assist last night, maybe. Um, but they're starting to pick things up uh, in the in the offensive production category, and that, that's only good for the Ducks. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know, yeah, everyone always freaks out about points, points, points. But, um, yeah, I think these guys collectively, everyone has been – start out the season strong. I think they, they look great. They're playing complete hockey out there. Um, and now you start to see the points kind of slowly start to come. And uh, just watching – uh, Troy Terry last night, he looked great again, uh, making great plays with the puck, looking dangerous all night. That second goal, he just basically came, uh, it was right after uh, the Manson uh, breakaway, basically a great play by him to jump up and then it got cleared out and um, you just see Troy Terry get basically shot out of a cannon coming off the bench there and comes just right back on the reattack. Not a moment to break, uh, to get a breath for the defenders and uh, does a great job of attacking the middle, makes a nice little move and a, a kick out to uh, Sam Steele. Uh, another guy who's the points are coming. <laughs> Relax, the points are coming. <laughs> I'll <And> take my <laughs> Xanax. <laughs> you know, no, I'm just reading like the the message boards and everything like that, and and people like the young guys aren't scoring, and I'm I I just kind of I, I think it's coming, and um, and yeah, nice nice kick out to steal anyways, and then great patience and great finding uh, another key performer to the Ducks in this early point of the season, Cam Fowler, and another great shot for a tip. And uh, you got to love Troy Terry, too. Um, 
makes that pass, continues to the net, doubles back, and works to get body position on on arguably the uh, Hurricanes best defender in uh, Slavin. And, uh, you know, to see him be able to compete against the, the top pair like that and uh, and have the the wherewithal and, and the work and uh, attention to detail to get to the front of the net, get that screen and get that tip, um, awesome stuff. Yeah, and Terry, I think one thing he does that I noticed on the forecheck and in front of the net, he... I mean, he, I think he's six feet or something like that, but he's not hes not a huge, imposing guy, but he's able to get body position on different parts of the ice so effectively. Uh, uh, I pointed out in an article I wrote, a, a forecheck that generated a scoring chance against Detroit. He, he, uh, the defender, for, I think it was, um, forget who it was anyway, uh, had a body position on him, and, and Terry just kind of knifed in at the last minute, took the puck from him, gen- generated a scoring chance. And same thing last night, getting in front of Slavin, getting body position there. He's a... You can tell he's, I mean, he's skilled offensively, but he's also very just mentally smart. He knows how to get different into different areas, and I think that's one of the underrated parts of his game is just body positioning. Yeah, and that's all work away from the puck, and um, I think uh, as, you know, when you're watching the game, I think the focus is obviously on the puck, and that's the, the nature of the game, and that's the the area where the focus should be, but so much of the game is away from the puck, and um, that's where I, I think, yeah, like the hockey sense and, and just that kind of constant work of, um, I think even, even the high-end players, the puck's actually only on your stick for seconds or maybe a couple minutes if you're highly elite so that that leaves a lot of time where you don't have the puck where there's a lot of work to be done and and um, to see the a young player like like Troy Terry making good use of that time and and uh, and putting the work in when you're away from the puck I think you can get rewarded for that long term all right so let's get into Manson and Lindholm uh you you touched on their importance to this team last season they they were uh they didn't play together that much last season uh they were together at times two seasons ago was when they kind of established that partnership that everyone was expecting them to play together and now that they're back together uh how you 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 mentioned how important they are for this team What, what are your thoughts on that yeah, and I, I think the basically the matchups and uh, situations that these guys are going to see on a nightly basis, I I kind of I don't know. I, I guess I'm biased as a former uh, defenseman too. You know, I have a few biases, and that, that's <laughs> one of them. But uh, I think these guys have been um, have been great, and I think yes. Um, Defensively, and as far as uh, you know, the life of a defenseman. Yeah, the offensive side is great, um, and to be noticed for that is uh, is great. And that's that's a lot more tangible and uh, a lot more noticeable. But uh, but as far as the the defensive part of your game, um, I remember basically there. Kind of, I was kind of one of these players. I know a lot of the the more defensive uh, defensemen. It's almost like if you're not noticed, that means you you do a good job. I think <laughs> a lot could be said of um, of third and fourth lines across the league too. Like if you're 
if you're not, uh, yeah, if you're if you're going unnoticed, that means you're you're doing your job and everything's getting taken care of defensively, and anything offensive is a bonus. But just giving those valuable minutes, um, uh, I think, is super important. Um, and just these guys, the the matchups they're seeing every night. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it, the the Crosby play, which was. Uh, I don't know if that was necessarily his his. I mean, I I, I am admitting, yeah, Eichel and Crosby are two of the best players in the league. So it's like he's he's going against those guys, and the Crosby goal, I don't think necessarily was strictly on him. He kind of got pulled out of position by a a, a week four check that uh, all of a sudden I think he saw three guys coming at him. He and he and Lindholm, and uh, there's not much you can do I think about that. Or, yeah, I think it's a game of inches too, and obviously the margin for error um, when you're playing against top lines and the best players is, I mean, everyone's a great player in the NHL, no doubt about it, but the margin for error from playing against the, the best players on the top lines across the league and playing against guys on the third and fourth line, I think any defenseman will tell you that there's a, a significant difference in your margin for error there. And, and on the Crosby goal, I remember, I think, um, Manson, maybe probably tell you, you just got on, on the wrong side or just kind of got a little over aggressive one way and probably just by a couple inches. And against those players, that's all it takes. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, and then the Eichel goal too, I think he took a couple of swipes at the puck. I mean, he was right there. Uh, great play by Eichel. He used his leg. I like how they isolated that on the Ducks broadcast, how he used his leg to kind of shield the puck. And uh, I mean, Madsen was right there, J- just missed the puck by, a, again, it's just an inch. A couple of times he had a couple of swipes at it, was right there. And then uh, Michael was just able to get that corner and cut across the net. But uh, you're going to get that uh, playing against the top players in the league. And I think, yeah, you look at the, there are some mistakes, and, and those mistakes are going to get exposed playing against those guys. But then you look at the Buffalo game, he comes, Manson comes back, has two big assists offensively, and winds up uh, two assists and a plus three at the end of the night. So I think, um, yeah, playing against the top penalty kill or the top power play units on their team, taking all the draws in your offensive end, playing against the other players, top players on the other offensive, um, the other top offensive players on the opposing team. That's a tough task, and I think that's basically they're going to get the lion's share of that this year. Um, and the fact that uh, the Ducks um, have started how they have, I think they're a big reason why, and I don't necessarily know that they have gotten the credit they deserve or are going to get the credit they deserve over the course of this year just with the nature of their their uh, their roles on this team. But uh, make no mistake about it, they're, they're two huge keys. Got it. So let's preview the next uh, the next few games. A pretty grueling schedule actually coming up. I think they have a game every other day this entire week. I think it's four four and seven days, one off day in between on each one, and, and a road trip uh, in there. And the Ducks' first game against their former teammate Corey Perry in Dallas, provided that he's healthy. Do you think there's going to be any fireworks in that game? Do you think Perry is going to come in with a little extra chip on his shoulder against his, uh, his, his former teammates, or do you think he's going to be uh, uh, a little more reserved? Uh, I, I think it'll be funny. I always love the way Corey Perry played and 
getting in front of the net and falling into the goalie and just kind of being a thorn in the side of the the other team. I think he was it was always kind of comical to watch him after whistles and especially when he was uh, getting under the other team's skin. So I think there will probably be a healthy dose of that during the game too, probably with the maybe some. You know, I, I think he'll be fired up to play against your old team. That's kind of um, second nature as a hockey player. You always want to uh, bury your old team, and uh, <laughs> especially when you, you got buddies on the other team, always, uh, always bragging rights and, and chirping rights, uh, ever important. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't expect any major fireworks. I know Corey was very uh, well liked guy by the by all the Ducks and uh, throughout the organization and. Um, if anything, that would probably be some 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 funny uh, funny chirps. So look for some some stuff after the whistle, and yeah, it should be entertaining though. I think. Do you think he's gonna make any hair jokes to Getzlav? <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure. I, again, I'd love to I'd love to get the the transcripts because there's, there's probably gonna be some great chirps going back and forth. But I'm sure it'll all be kind of good natured. Those guys always had some funny exchanges. <laughs> All right. Well, it's uh, it is going to be a challenging week for the Ducks, but they've shown that they're up to the task so far. They're uh, they played very well, so we're looking forward to, to this coming week. So let's uh, let's talk about our three star segment this week. Three music traditions in the NHL that you that you enjoy. That can be goal songs. It can be pregame skate songs. It can be songs they play in the middle of uh, any team plays in the middle of the game. Uh, what were your three favorites? Uh, so mine were um, obviously the. Um, the bro hymn from the Ducks. I know we've talked about that at length. I'll just it's a, it's kind of a cool iconic song. Always makes me think of uh, 2007, hearing that echo throughout the rink. Um, uh, but uh, I my other two are I guess I have a funny story. One was um, I'll always kind of remember the Don't Stop Believing that they play uh, in Detroit. They always kind of play it at a certain time during the game, whether the either in kind of a celebration of a game that's going well or if they need a rally cry to get the, the fans going. or They always seem to find uh, the right time to play it. It's just such a such an awesome, awesome song. But I just remember uh, when I was playing in San Jose, we were in a, uh, playing Detroit in a playoff series. And um, we actually were, were up in the series. Everything had gone right. And we were up 3 nothing uh, with game four in Detroit. And uh, they just weren't having it, and they absolutely lit us up. I think it was uh, it was late in the third period. Uh, they were beating us, I believe it was 7-2. I think Johan Franzen, the mule, had like four goals against <laughs> us. And, uh, yeah, I think the game was kind of out of hand. And, yeah, there were a few minutes left, and there was... Uh, the, the puck was in front of our net, and there was a scramble again, and, and the mule was back there trying to trying to get number five or number six, or he, he just had a boatload of goals that night. And I was I was there. Um, me and JD Demers were on the ice, and I just remember I, I basically tackled him. I'm like, he's not getting another one. So I, I <laughs> tackled him and jumped on him in front of the net. And there was a big scrum. And I remember myself and Scott Nickel wound up in the penalty box. And, and it was 7-2 with about four minutes, 30 seconds left. And I think there was just a brief stoppage. And sure enough, don't 
you hear like the piano start coming on and don't stop believing they're just blaring it and the whole crowd is just going insane and everyone's singing along and i mean the game was over at that point at seven two and we scotty nickel were just sitting in the bench we just kind of look at each other and we're like dude this is sick like this is unbelievable like what an atmosphere because the, the whole rig was just on fire with the like one of the best songs of all time just just playing and yeah it was uh that was a cool moment, even though we were down 7-2. Um, but, but yeah, I think we sat beside each other on the plane. We were just kind of marveling even after the game. Like, man, <laughs> it was a brutal game, but how sick was that? The penalty box, like, geez, what a moment. And uh, we ended up coming back and winning game five in San Jose to, to take the series and go on with the conference final. So um, all's well that ends well. Yeah, it was a good ending there, but uh but yeah, that was always a cool moment, something I'll remember. Um, and then I guess another, it was actually another Detroit song um, that always sticks out back from 07, I think here. Uh, moments like that and, and that kind of period of time always produce uh, the best memories. And then um, I just remember kind of sitting down in the tunnel uh, as we were getting ready uh, was the Ducks. Uh, I believe it was game four. We were down 2-1 to Detroit in Detroit, and we're going out for game four. And I think uh, Prongs was suspended. And so the kind of the chips were down, and we really uh, needed a win, and that was the night that uh, – Solani uh, stripped the puck and scored that uh, backhand goal in overtime. Um, but yeah, I just remember sitting down in the tunnel before the game and uh, Fallout Boys, thanks for their memories, was just <laughs> blaring. And it's just kind of ironic that the, I always hear that song. I just remember that moment. I remember, remember that night. Um, and just the title of the song is just pretty uh, pretty appropriate. So those were those were my three. An honorable mention was uh, Seek and Destroy by Metallica, another San Jose memory, just skating out through the shark head to Seek and Destroy, playing with that uh, the San Jose crowd, awesome crowds up there, another kind of atmospheric moment. But uh, So those are my three plus one. And what uh, what are your three, three kind of memorable uh, songs when it comes to hockey? Well, you, you can't go wrong with Metallica at any sporting event. Seek and Destroy, that's that's excellent. I, I have to agree with you there. Um, my three were, uh, a couple were goal songs. Uh, first one, Chelsea Dagger for the Blackhawks. That just... I That song is such an earworm that, oh. like... And, and uh, when the Blackhawks were good, the they would score so much and it just like feels like every five minutes it's just your da 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 burned into my memory yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's enough to give you nightmares but it's a great it's a great uh, I think it's a great kind of um emotional warfare type thing or a mental warfare type thing, especially when you're scoring a lot. Definitely. Um, the Brohim, I, I think, is one of the best goal songs in the NHL, and hopefully Agreed. more on that to come if things work out. Uh, but it's such a quintessential, it's from a, like, Pennywise, such a Southern California band, yeah, even though they're, right. they're from King's Country, Hermosa Beach, but they, that song was iconic during, during your guys' Stanley Cup run. 
it's it's an interesting just an interesting a unique song if you look up what it's actually about besides just the chorus it's kind of a, it, not inspirational but it's uh sobering i think is, is the type of, of song that that actually is it's just I, I just think it's one of the more unique goal songs in the nhl um and then the last one isn't a goal song it is, does come from my bruins background is uh before they drop the puck in the first uh, the first period, they'll play the game by Motorhead. They'll play like the first couple chords of it. That gets you jacked <laughs> yeah. up. That's uh, that's really uh, that's one of my favorite moments. Uh, just before puck dropping, it really gets people going. And then honorable mention for me is Nashville. Even though I hate country music, I hate country music. It's just oh, it drives me nuts. But uh, the I like it. I love it kind of special version that Tim McGraw sings for the Predators. That's definitely cool. That's a very unique I, I like unique goal songs. That's a unique Nashville country music thing. Uh, so I'm, I'm willing to give that a, a, a pass. I really like that yeah, tradition. Yeah, that's a great call. Those are uh, yeah, four great ones for sure. Alright, that'll wrap up episode 7 of the Flying V and I'm a high blech, excuse me, the f- <laughs> episode 7 of the Flying V Believe it. Wow, I can't get it straight today, but we're going to keep those in. The Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast yes. on the Believe Podcast nice. Network as I finally am able to spit it out. And like I said before, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Believe.com. You can follow Believe Podcasts at, at Believe Podcasts. You can follow me at Deli Tweets on Twitter and at Deli Meat on Instagram. And Husky, if you want to give them yours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Husk Verna on Instagram and Twitter with my one ghost tweet that I uh, <laughs> I found it. It's there. <laughs> it's, it's there for the record. Nice, nice. Yeah, and that's Huskverna, H U S K underscore V E R N A. All right, guys, we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye bye. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.